let's pray. Father, thank you for the great gift of a new day. In 2015, as we reflect back and see so many things that are good and so many things we wish we could change, we don't want to worry about yesterday. We want to worry about tomorrow. And so help us, God, to all focus our hearts on this new day and looking forward to a new year where we expect you to show up in our lives. And for those that are exploring even faith today, would you show up to their, to them and to their life in a fresh, new way today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Welcome. Yes, have a seat. Good to see each and every single one of you. As Chris said, I'm Jason Hodges, and I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Encounter Church. Now, I don't know about you, but New Year's resolution, I think it sort of brings either kind of some good feelings or some bad. So this is going to be participatory. You can't sit there and not raise your hand. I'm going to ask you to really just raise your hand, all right? Now, no one's looking around except for the people beside you and around you. Um, No one's looking around, but I want you to say, are you a New Year's resolution person or not? Okay, because some people are like, oh, this is a good thing, like I'm, I'm excited, it's a new day, but you know, you look back and like, oh, they just kind of discourage me. E- either, either it's a good thing or it's not a good thing. Some people really like them, some people don't. Raise your hand. No, remember, no one's looking around except for everyone in the room. Raise your hand if you're a New Year's resolution person. Come on, raise them bold. If your elbow's halfway up, your New Year's resolution is not going to last. You've got to be, that's me, I'm excited. All right, but I don't know, about half the room right? I'm looking around, by the way. Raise your hand if you're not one. That's everybody else. Okay. Oh my gosh. Chris, it's your turn to preach. I'm just kidding. No, it's really for both of you because, okay, I am. I confess. I I really am a New Year's resolution person. Now, I, I can't sit here and say that I am one because I was successful at every single thing that I tried new. But I can tell you I am one because I, I really desire, I think what everyone desires, right? And even though you raise your hands, I'm not really a New Year's resolution person. That's not a confession that you're saying, I don't really want to change, or I don't want things, things new. It's just you have a different method or methodology or steps. I get that. Or maybe you just don't like just because it's January 1st, you're supposed to come up with something, right? I don't know what it is, but it's okay if you don't like them, right? But I think that there's some, a few commonalities really about all of mankind that are true. And the first one is this, we all got problems. Would you agree? It doesn't take long for us to realize that. Now, everyone comes in different shapes and sizes. We all see things differently. We all have different families. We all have different backgrounds. We have different traditions. We have different traditions in our family. We just experienced some of that. Some of you are establishing new traditions because of what you experienced, right, growing up. We're all different. We all see things different. But when it, when it comes to life, there's a few commonalities. Number one, we all got problems. Would you agree? The second commonality, I believe, in man is that we all want good. We all desire good. Is that true? Like, well, I don't know. If you look at life, not everyone, like, desires good. I think at the core of people, they want what's good. And I love this new millennial generation. There's a lot of people that have a strong passion and a strong desire to give back and to do what's good, right? And I love that. So there are a record number of businesses today that are giving away a record number of proceeds, right, to things around the world. There are a lot of companies. For example, Tom's is one of the, um, the most popular one, Tom's Shoes, right? For every pair of shoes, right, we're going give, to give away a pair of shoes to some kid in the world that needs shoes. Isn't that awesome or what? Listen, 
This is, Tom's isn't unique anymore. There are so many companies booming in Boston, booming in San Francisco, startup companies that just want to do good. I think that's a commonality today among people. We all got problems. Number one. Number two, I think man desires what is good. And here's the third one. We all want change. The third commonality among, among men and, and women today around the world, I, I believe at the core of who we are, we want change. Why? I believe we all want change because we see us we see us the way we are, and we don't often like it, do we? If you had a real honest conversation just with yourself, right? You're like, what is, it about, what is it about me that I just don't like? Most of us wouldn't struggle to think about that very long, right? Because we spend a tremendous amount of our time driving down the road or at work, talking with family, whatever it is, thinking about us. And it's discouraging. And a lot of people, not necessarily you that raise your hand, a lot of people, you don't like New Year's resolutions, right? Because it's so hard. It's discouraging because you want, it doesn't mean you don't want to change. You want to change, but you're just not sure how to, how to go about it. At the core of people today, every single person, I believe, in this room and every single person walking the planet today, 7 billion of us, right? 7 billion people on the planet today, I believe people at the core of who they are, they want change. Would you agree? We all got problems. But we all desire good, and we all want change. How do we come about it? How do we come about it? It doesn't matter that it's January 1st or June 1st, July 1st, or December 1st. It doesn't matter what day it is. It doesn't matter where you're going. It doesn't matter if it's a one-day commitment or a 365-day commitment, right? Some of you don't like New Year's resolution just because of the 365 you know, thing that's sort of implied with a New Year's resolution. This entire year, I'm going to, even though the entire last year you didn't, right? But whether you want it today, whether it's a short change or a long change or whatever, we all desire change because we don't like often what we see in the mirror. And sometimes it's not just about us. It's about family. You know, I, I want to be a better father. This year I'm going to make sure I, I want to be a better spouse. I want to be a more faithful employee. This year I want to start, I want to start giving away more of money because of what God has blessed me with. Like whatever it is, whatever you would desire, I, I think... If in conversation today, just among me and you or you and someone else, I don't think it would take you long to realize how you desire change. I believe all of us can connect to say, you know what, this is who I am, but this is who I want to be. And what about the gap? What do we do about that gap, right? Whether it's a New Year's resolution or whether it's something else, what do we do about that gap? Well, I want you to think about something. What do you think God thinks about New Year's resolutions? What do you think He thinks about change? I'm not saying he's for or against it, but I just want you to think about that. What does God desire for you? Would it be possible that God desires a new you? You think, well, well God loves me, doesn't he? Of course God loves you. But what do you think God thinks about you? Do you think he wants you to stay the same? We see throughout Scripture that God desires change in people. Why? Because he doesn't like often the way that people are living. And so the Bible is a unique story right? You have um, hundreds and hundreds of pages of a story of God and his people. And maybe you know, some of you that maybe know some stories in the Bible or stories from scripture that the relationship that God has with people has not always been very smooth. In fact, when we read throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see many times that God is extremely encouraged and blessed and pleased with his people. And at other times he's very upset, right? If you read the, the story of the Ten Commandments, that all didn't go so well, did it? right? You read the story of, of uh, Noah's Ark. 
Why did Noah build the ark? You read that story. What about the prophets? You know, the, the prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah. What about the minor prophets? Some of those, those, those prophets that were proclaiming truth and they were giving a message to God's people on behalf of God. Guys, there's a rocky relationship with God and his people. Even Jesus lived on the earth for three years. In some of Jesus' stories, he spends time calling out God's people because they're not listening. He spends time on the earth teaching, not just healing people and telling people about himself and, and, and telling people that he was going to die upon a cross to offer salvation to all, right? But no, Jesus spent some of his time speaking to people because their hearts were hard. They weren't listening. God had a plan for people. In the month of January, we're going we're gonna to really be talking about what is that plan? What is that design? Because New Year's resolutions are often about you, and there's nothing wrong with this. By the way, I have a few things that I'm focusing on. This morning, I started in my journal, working on some of those things that I'm working on for myself. They're not bad, but what if we just set those aside for a moment? So what about God? What does he desire? Throughout scripture, God makes it very clear what he desires from people. Now, if you go up to someone and say, what does God desire of you? What, what do you think? What do you think God wants for you? People go, uh, what, what do you, I don't know, what are you asking? Like, for me, for my life? The, the, one of the, a great answer could be, you know what? God's desire for people and the way that they should live has been made known in the Bible. What does it say? What does the Bible say about the, what God desires for you and for your life? The Bible is clear. In fact, one of the stories that we want to highlight today is found in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet that um, God called to send his people, the Israelites, a message. And part of the story that you look back in history, in 586 B.C., the city of Jerusalem was destroyed. And part of that is recorded in the Bible that that was a punishment that God put on the city because they weren't living the way that he intended for them to live. In 586 BC, their enemy, Israel's enemies, de defeated them, plundered the city, destroyed the city completely, right? Just about 600 years before Jesus, God's city, the Israelites, was completely laid waste. But God told them it was coming. And so God called Jeremiah and God said, Jeremiah, I have a job for you. Jeremiah's job, like many of the prophets, was not a pleasant one. Sometimes being a Bible teacher is not pleasant, right? Because all we're doing is we're telling you what the Bible says. And sometimes that's not pleasant to say, let me tell you something that the Bible says. You might not like it, right? But I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says. And the, the life of, of someone who communicates on God's behalf is not always a blessed one. And so the prophets throughout history had a tough job. Just like Bible teachers today can have a very tough job, right? You know, Christianity is one of the largest, if not arguably the largest persecuted organization, entity, not just of religions, but on the planet today. It doesn't take you long scrolling through whatever news avenue you like to read about to see what's going on in the world today with persecuted Christians. Jeremiah was given a message to give to the people of Israel. And today I want to tell you, a moment that God had with Jeremiah. I want to read this story to you. A moment that he had with him to say, listen, I have a message for my people if you'll just relay it. Now imagine being Jeremiah. You know that you're a prophet. You know that you've been called by God. You know that God has a message for you. God's given you words. God's given you a vision. And all you have to do is go tell people, hey, this is what God says. And this is how God wants you to live. Now, if you today sit there and say, you know what? I'm interested to know what God says about my life. Yeah, I have my New Year's resolutions. I'm going to keep up those. But what does God want for me? If God could make a new me, what would that look like? And I, and I love this about the Bible. You don't have to sit around for long and just twiddle your thumbs and think about what does God want for me? Because your mind could go to your job or your, or your next fill in the blank, right? Your mind could go to what am I supposed to do today? 
Forget about all that stuff. God has a desire and a plan for you and for your life. And that life is often revealed right here in the scripture with how God wants you to live. But I can't tell you what you should do. I can't tell you where you should work or where you should go. I can't tell you what needs to happen, what change needs to happen in your personal life. I can't tell you in your relational life and moms and dads and brothers and sisters and the drama that goes on in family. I, I can't give you that next step, but God can. And God has a design and a plan for each and every single one of us today. And so I want to read you this story. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there to Jeremiah chapter 18. If you have the app, EncounterChurch.com backslash app, or search it on your, search Encounter Church on your um, smartphone, you can simply touch Bible and it will bring up uh, this passage of Scripture. Jeremiah chapter 18 verses um, 1 through 6. And so I said, God's relationship with his people is often rocky. And this is a rocky point of history. This is probably 590 B.C., 595 B.C., a few years before um, the destruction of God's city um, would happen. Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 6. Let's read this together. It will also be on the screen behind me. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to do. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as the potter has done? declares the Lord. Behold, like clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. I remember a, one of my first seminary professors saying to a group of men and women to say, if you want to understand the Bible, you have to read it slowly and read it again and read it again. You also have to use all five senses. I want you to imagine yourself being there. I want you to, to feel what they felt, right? I want you to see what they saw. I want you to listen to what they listened to. And so use all the senses to kind of imagine, oh my goodness, what would this be like? Imagine God, imagine all the senses you can possibly think of right now inside of you. Imagine God comes to you and says, hey, I want you to go down to the potter's house and you're like, okay, I received an instruction. I'm going to go do it. And so Jeremiah knows the, the uh, local potter. <laughs> he goes down there. What do potters do? They make pots, right? And so he goes in. He's obeying the instruction. He doesn't get this huge dialogue. There is those times in Scripture where we read this monologue dialogue between God and people and between God and the prophets. And this time he just says, Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house. This is, I have a message for you. You know what Jeremiah could have been thinking? Now I have to call out the, you know, the potter. I got to call out the way he's living, Right? I got to preach at him. This is like a one-on-one -on -one sermon. Imagine just preaching to one person, right? Imagine what Jeremiah could have been thinking. What do you want me to tell him, right? And so he goes down to the potter's house and, and look at what happens. He just sees him. He sees him doing what he should be doing. But the first time he sees the potter, the potter has clay in his hands and it's what? Is it pretty yet? It's marred. It's not the way it should be, right? And what does God tell him? I love it. He says, this is the picture of me and my people. God is the potter, and the Israelites are the clay. So he says, Jeremiah, they're not the way I want them to be. I have another plan for that, right? And so what does he watch? He continues to watch, and the potter takes the clay, and he forms it, right? And, and as the potter takes the clay, and he forms it, and he does his job, I, I don't know what this is like, but I could just imagine that, that moment when you've been working with your hands, 
to form something and you finally get it the way you want it. I love this picture. A prophet who spent his life, not a popular man, preaching and proclaiming, not just to call out people, but just to say, hey, there's a God who loves you. There's a God who has a, has a desire for you. There's a God who wants you to, to know him. There's a God who wants you to live for him. Hey, listen, in, in the way you're living right now, it's not the way God wants. If you just listen, God has a plan. God has a purpose. This was Jeremiah's life, to, to just give a message to the people. And he gave warning after warning after warning. And this time, Jeremiah just gets to watch. And he hears the voice of God say, this is what I want to do with them. God didn't say, Jeremiah, I want to shatter the pot, right? I want to take the clay and just start over. He didn't say that. Some of Jeremiah's message, if you just read like small little passages or parts of the Bible in Jeremiah, you could say, whoa, this is what God's like? Just the punishment? No, no, no. Wouldn't, wouldn't any good father, think about a relationship between a father and a son. Wouldn't any good father discipline a son? Right? God wants to not shatter the pot. He wants to mold it. And so he says, this is the house of Israel. I, I, I want to shape the clay. And I have a plan for that clay. And I love the question he asks, can I not do this? with my people? Can I, the potter, not do with the clay what I, the potter, want to do with the clay? Could you imagine how frustrated God is when he sees his people that he loves so very dearly and they pay no attention to him? When he sees people that he loves so dearly and they don't know him, he sees people that he loves dearly and they pay no attention to him. And he says to Jeremiah, this is what I want to do. I want to be the potter. As a father learning to um, raise children, six and four-year-old boy, Josiah is six and Levi's four, um, I, I thought about this this past week. It's, it's often so difficult when I know what's best for the child, right? I know what's best and I just want them to do what's best, right? And, and I feel this sense of control, which is bad in me. I feel this sense of control. Listen, if you just do this and then do that, and then that's the right thing, right? And, and I have this, this frustration when they don't, right? Because I have a, a, longer, a longer view often of what I think is best for them and I see in them and I just like, the father looks at his child and says, oh, I know what's best for you if you just do it, right? But I, in so many ways, my hands are out of control. Imagine God's heart here with the potter and the clay illustration just saying, I, I just want to shape and I just want to form you. And my, my heart, though this illustration falls short in, in a few ways, my heart for, for my children is what's best for them. And I want to be able to shape and influence and, and, and paint a better picture and a better future for them as, as the years go by, right? Because I'm going to blink and they're going to be 18, they're going to be out of their house, right? And my influence then changes, obviously. But, I, but I, I know what's best and I desire what's best for them, but yet in so many ways, they have the option to, to choose and to control, right? And God gives us a choice and his heart is often broken by that choice. And God says, I just want to be the potter over you. I just want to control. Now, in this story, biblically, you know what happens next. I mean, from this story, um, God then says, listen, I, I am the potter, and I do have control. In, in some ways, when you read Jeremiah 18, this is a statement about God's sovereignty, right? And that's just a big biblical fancy word that just means he is in control. 
Like God's hands controls the affairs of the world. And I love some of the, the teachings that says that even the, the kings of the earth are under God's lordship, right? There's nothing that, that, that God is powerless to do. He is the potter and we are the clay. But yet there's, there's this tension of, of our choice. In, in so many ways, God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants it, to whomever he wants to do it. But he's a God who loves us and who gives us space and who gives us choice and who gives us the responsibility to leave this place and do whatever we want to. Do you believe, so many of you do, I wouldn't say necessarily all of you because I don't know where you are, do you believe that God is completely in control? But do you believe today that you can do what you want? like, wait a second. Well, yeah, there's this choice and there's this tension, right? And God is screaming through the prophets in the Old Testament. He's screaming, listen, I have a plan for you, but you're not listening. I have a plan for you, but you don't want to hear it. And I'm trying to do something in you and in your life, but you don't want me to. And so I wish that you were on the spinning wheel, but you're off doing your own thing. In so many ways in my life, I want to be my own spinning wheel and I kind of want to be my own clay, right? I just want to focus on, on what I desire and focus on, on what I want and pay no attention to what really God desires. What if 2016 was a different year for you? And I don't know uh, where you are in your um, relationship with God. Many of you today can say, you know, I have a faith in Jesus. I, I believe in, in Jesus and I'm a follower of Christ and my faith is in Him. And um, I'm already... I'm already following. Some of you could say today, I'm, I'm, I'm exploring. I'm not sure about faith in Christ. And so maybe there's a little bit of a disconnect for you when you think about God and him being the potter and you being the clay. But no matter where you are, and if you're a believer of Christ or you're not a believer, this is for all of us, is that God loves the 7 billion people today on the planet. Those that know him and those that don't. And God has a love relationship and a, and a love passion to know each and every single one of those people. And what he told Jeremiah through Jeremiah to the people of Israel, he is saying today, which is this, that God wants to shape us and that God wants a new you. And I know you want a new you, and that's often discouraging. Like you see things about you like, oh, and they bring discouragement. They often bring frustration. They bring frustration in you. They bring your issues, meaning my issues. They bring frustration to you. They bring frustration to relationships, to family. And I know you want a new you, but let me tell you more than anything else, you wanting a new you, God wants a new you. It's not because he doesn't love you. He loves you very much. In the same way I love my two sons just the way they are, do I want them to stay that way? Parents. Can I get a please no something? Like, please no. I mean, aren't you glad that when I get tired in a restaurant, I, don't, I just don't scream? I'm like, that's just normal for them. Like, I, I love him, but I'm like, please, please God, take away his vocal box just for a moment. Just for a moment. That's such a terrible prayer. I'm sorry to confess that. I'm like, I, we, we mature, we change, right? I love my sons. And there's, there, there's, there's nothing in, in one way I could say there's nothing I would change. But in some ways, I'm like, oh, Lord, there's a lot I would change. Like, I have a desire for them. I, I want them to grow, and I want them to mature. And just to let you into my, my world and my passion, God has, um, a couple of years ago, kind of a, placed uh, two prayers on my heart, for one for each of them. And one's the word courage for my son, Josiah, that God would give him great courage to do things 
that he would otherwise not do if you weren't in his life. And so God, I want God to show up in my son's life and give him great courage to do great things for him. And for Levi, I've always prayed the word compassion, that God would give him great compassion for people and be able to share the hope of Jesus with many. I've always prayed those prayers. I don't know what God will do with those. I prayed them again this morning. And I, I, there are moments when they're not courageous, right? There are moments when they're not compassionate because they're two brothers, right? There are moments when I'm like, God, I've been praying this. Come on now, do something, right? I want something more for them. Do you know, more than you wanting a new you, did you know that God wants a new you? God wants a new you. And in 2016, it's not just about your New Year's resolution or a new idea that you have. It's what, what if I was the clay and I really handed over my clay to God? What would that look like? What would it look like for me to actually hand over my clay and say, okay, God, this is a message you gave to Jeremiah. You sent to your people, hey, I just want to shape you, right? I, I just want, and I don't know what that shape is like. I don't know how long it takes. By the way, it can be a painful process, yes, right? It can be things that God takes away, think things that God gives. I don't know what the shaping looks like. I don't know what God's going to do in your life, but he wants to shape. What if you said, okay, God, shape me? Like, I don't know what this looks like or, or when or, or how, but what if you just said, shape me? I want to share two prayers with you. I, I hope that you'll write these down. These are also in the sermon notes on the app. You can write these down yourself or you can store them in your app and actually send them to your email so you can have a record of them. But the first prayer, you'll see it on the screen, is a, is a declaration prayer. And here it is. God, I want to be clay in your hands. This is you declaring to God, okay, God, and many of you in different ways have maybe said this before, like, ah, yeah, I've given my heart to say, God, I really do want to be clay in you. I don't want to be hard clay. I don't want to be dry clay. I don't want to be of a different spinning wheel. I want to be on your spinning wheel, whatever that means. I want to be clay. And I, and I want you to put your hands on me. What a beautiful invitation to God in faith is saying, God, put your hands on my life. And some of you, can remember times when God was on your life, right? You can remember those times. Oh, I remember when I first heard about God, when I first heard stories about Jesus. I first learned about the cross, and I first learned about the resurrection of Jesus, right? I first learned about all these things. You can remember. Others of you can say, I don't really, I don't know about that. I don't know of a time when God showed up in my life, and I felt his presence, and I felt his hands shaping me. Some of you may say that for the first time today. God, would you step into my life and my space? I give you full invitation to and move. Some of you are like, how does this work? I love this Bible verse in uh, the book of James, chapter 4, verse 8. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Listen to that truth from James. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Is God in control? Is God sovereign? I believe he is. Many of you believe he is. But God gives us the space to pursue him. God pursues you. God can show up in your life however he wants, whenever he wants, but he gives you the space. At some point, and really since birth, my hands in so many ways are, are powerless over my sons because they have their own will and they will choose. My responsibility to guide to lead, to teach, to shepherd, and to correct with their choice, right? And God gives us that choice. What if you chose in a declaration to say, God, I want to be clay in your hands. Here's the second one. And it's really a prayer of an invitation to God. 
God shaped me for your purposes, not my own. This kind of changes. Not that you have to erase, I just say it changes the way we do a New Year's resolution, right? I actually pulled up a file on my computer that I work on every year, and a file on my desktop um, says dreams, goals, and, and visions. And it's really from everything from my physical goals to stay healthy and fit, to my financial goals, um, to my spiritual goals, goals that, uh, ways that I want to grow, ways that I want to ways that I want to change, uh, family goals, marital goals. I just have this big three-page file that I often look at. And I, I thought about this this morning. How much of this is about me and not, not God? How much of what I want in my life that's changing is really just about me? And it doesn't help anyone else, right? But it helps me. What if you said this? It's an invitation to say, God, I, I want to be changed and shaped, but I, I just not for me. Like I want to find that purpose. And over the next month, led by Chris, um, is really going to be a, a series that's really about this called The Designed Life, that God has a design for you. And what if on that designed life, he really revealed to you your purpose? How great would it be to say, I know my purpose and I'm fulfilling it. I know my calling and I'm in the center of it, right? I'm using who I am, way, the way that God has gifted me, the way that God has wired me, the way he has designed me for his purposes and not my own. So the two prayers, a declaration prayer and an invitation prayer that says, God, I want to be clay in your hands. And the second one is, God, I want to be used for your purposes and not my own. What if you said those two prayers today? And some of you have already prayed those prayers because you're hearing that prayer and you're saying, yes, God, that's what I want. I got I want to be clay in your hands. Well, what, is this, what does this look like? Check this out on the screen. And I, I want you to write this down. I want you to remember it as well. The change that God wants starts with a relationship, not performance. Starts with a relationship and not performance. Some of us, when we think about what does God want from me? Like if he was to change me, our mind goes to performance. Oh, I, I need to start saving more money because of our financial situation. Oh, I need to stop getting angry with my spouse. I need to stop yelling at my children, right? I, I need to, I need to, I need to. And it goes back to us. It just goes back to all of our problems, right? Because I said one commonality among all of us, it doesn't take us long to realize this, is that we all got problems. And that the third thing I mentioned, we all want change. We all got problems and we all want change. And it often goes to our performance, we think if I could just do these things, then God would be happy with me. You know, just like a father loves his son, like a mother loves her daughter, or father loves his daughter, you love your children, don't you? No matter what. You know how much more God loves you? Regardless of your performance, regardless if your um, Chris said in the welcome that, hey, we feel good about today. Today's January 3rd. Maybe this is three straight days. We're batting 1,000, right, with our New Year's resolution. Some of you are like, not me. I, I, I started January 1st, and I actually forgot about it today. Some of you might be batting like 667. I don't know, what, whatever that number is, right? Maybe I shouldn't share that number. Anyways, um, so, I mean, some of you aren't batting 1,000, right? Because we, we lack sometimes the endurance. We lack the grit. We, we, we lack... We lack the discipline to change, don't we? You say, well, I want change, and I even want God to change me, but nothing ever seems to change. Well, the type of um, relationship 
that you can begin with God or continue with God today is where it begins. That God wants a relationship with you. And you know, that's where the change happens. The change doesn't happen by your endurance the next morning when you wake up and say, I'm up, I'm going to go run, I'm going to make sure I do this, I'm going to make sure, and then you sleep in the next day, or whatever. whatever that is you're wanting to see change. We will fail, right? We don't have it inside of us to change. We don't have it inside of us. But do you realize that there's a potter? You realize that there is a creator that desires to change you. And imagine what your life could be like if you were fully clay in his hands. Imagine what that would be like. You're not on your own spinning wheel. You're not doing your own thing. You are completely clay in his hands. This doesn't begin with your performance. There's a kid named Jake when I was a youth pastor. Jake was a popular kid. Um, his muscles had their own muscles. I mean, just a, kind of a jacked kind of guy and uh, played every sport. At the high school probably had 12 sports. He probably played 14 of them. He was popular. Everyone loved him. And he started coming to the youth ministry of the first church that I led. Um, and so uh, I could tell that this was a popular kid. I could tell he kind of believed in himself a little bit. Um, but God began to, through some bad relationships in his home life, his, namely his father, God began to break him. And I think he began to see his popularity as a high school junior, his popularity, his, his life, um, the girls, all the girls that liked him, um, wasn't really doing anything for him. And he came to me one day and he said, you know, um, I should be, if anyone should be happy, I should be happy. I said, why do you say that? And he told me, <laughs> I said, okay, well, but why aren't you? He said, because my, my life's not good right now. Well, why isn't it? And he talked about his relationship with his dad. And I said, can I tell you something that God loves you? And I told him the story of Jesus. And I said, there's a man named Jesus who was born 2,000 years ago. And he lived a life about 33 years. And three years of that was a public ministry. He said that he was God. He claimed to be God. He was God. Years and years and years of prophecy spoke about Jesus. And the reason he came was to live and to die and to resurrect from the dead. To do one thing, to offer forgiveness and offer a relationship with people. And so I told him the story about Jesus and I said, you can have a relationship with God. God can step into your life and give you joy in spite of your father. I can't change your father, right? I can't change your relationship with your father. I connected with him. My dad left. Um, my biological father left when I was very young and uh, didn't meet him until years later and uh, have not had a very good relationship with him. And it's been quite rocky. So I, I connected with him. I said, man, I, I was able to forgive my father before he ever asked for forgiveness. And I told him the story. He said, not me. I said, yeah, you can. I met a God who loved me, who shaped me, who changed me. And, you know, I, I called my father when I was 24 years old. And I said, hey, maybe a little bit awkward, but I just want to let you know I forgive you. I could hear him start crying on the other end. You know, He said, no, 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 I, I'm the one that needs to ask for forgiveness. I said, I didn't call you to make you feel bad. I called you to tell you I forgive you because I can't live a life angry and bitter at you. I was telling Jake this story, tears coming down out of Jake's eyes. Like he was hearing and seeing love, not in me. He was seeing God's perfect love lived out in a person and he was broken by it. But Jake backed up. Jake said, no, 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 I, I, I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready for this Jesus stuff. I'm not ready for this God stuff. I said, why? And he went on to tell me all the things in his life that were wrong and all the things in his life that he had to get straight. 
And he said, I, I, I got to fix this, I got to fix this, I got to fix this. And I was kind of, okay, well, at least you see that there's an issue there, right? I said, but Jake, that's, that's not how it works, man. That's not how it works. You don't have to perform to gain attention from God. He loves you, right? No, there's nothing my sons can do to earn my love. Why? Because the condition of my heart loves them. This is God. And when they disappoint me, I don't stop loving them. I may be frustrated and I, and I may get angry, but I don't, it, it doesn't change my love at all. Before I became a father, I couldn't connect with it. Like I knew that, I'd heard that, but I couldn't connect with it. And I, I love them, and that's what, God loves you. You don't have to fix your life. You don't have to, to, to be batting a thousand today for God to love you. You don't even have to have a New Year's resolution, right? I mean, hopefully you desire and want change in you, right? Because you see that you're not the way you could be. But God, God doesn't care. Maybe I shouldn't say that. I'll just say it. Maybe God doesn't care about your New Year's resolution. He cares about you. He cares about change. God loves you. I told Jake, I said, Jake, I don't, I don't know what you think. It's in your power to do, but you can't do anything to earn God's love. He loves you today. And your relationship with God can begin today. Not after you fix your life, not after you get your house in order, so to speak. Because when you invite someone over, what do you do to your house? You make it look like it never does. It's true, isn't it? Like, our home is perfect, and my kids are in the living room singing Kumbaya. And they have their legs crossed, and they always say, yes, ma'am, and no, sir. And right, no, they don't. They kick the neighbors. I'm just kidding. Not my sons. I'm just saying, like, we, we make it as, I told Jake, I said, Jake, you don't invite Jesus over when it's perfect, you invite him over to change you and to shape you. You don't offer a perfect piece of pottery to God, do you? And say, God, I'm, I'm really, I'm all set without you, but here you go. No, no, no. You take the clay that's often dry and broken, and you take you for who you are, and you say, here, God, here's my declaration. I want to be clay in your hands. And we do that today by relationship. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to tell you this. You can today say that prayer, God, help me to be clay in your hands. I want to be shaped and molded. I don't know what 2016 holds, but I hope it holds something different. I don't want to be the same man at the end of the year that I was three days ago. I want to be changed. I want to be different. Continue to say that prayer. Some of you today could say, I don't have a relationship with God, but maybe I could explore one. Maybe I could say, God, I don't know what this looks like, but here's my clay. Here's my... And what this really means, and I think you get this so far, here is me. Here is my life. If that's you, we'd love to know that. You can write it in the prayer request through the app to say, I want to be clay in God's hands. Help me, help me learn what does it look like for me to have a relationship with Jesus. Tell us. You can start by a starting point and say, hey, tell me more about how to be clay in God's hands. If you're saying that for the very first time, you say, I want to know God. I want to live for Him. I want Him to change me and to shape me. You can do that today. And if that's not you, if you're saying, I, I'm not sure, I'm not ready, just be ready for the next four weeks as we start a series next week called The Design Life. As you think, what is God's design over me? What is his shape over me? What is his purpose for me? What, is, what can my life look like if God wrote it? What can my clay look like if God was the potter? I tell you what, you know what it looks like? Extraordinary joy. My, life's not, my life wasn't perfect when I was able to call my biological father and forgive him, not having a relationship with him. And let me tell you, 
sure, I'm in perfect sense. But I tell you, there's a God who I know who loves me and has a plan for me and has a design for me. And there's a God that loves you where you are today and has a design and has a plan and has a purpose for you. If you would simply say, God, I want to be clay in your hands. And God, the second one, I don't want to be shaped for my own purposes. I want to be shaped for yours.